Live from Guttercat Studios in the Metaverse, it's time for another episode of the Crazy About Crypto Show. And now here's your host, Crazy Carl. Hey yo, what is going on? Thank you all so much for being here. This space is blowing up. If you're listening to the podcast, hello from all around the world and welcome to the Crazy About Crypto Show, an interactive live podcast on Twitter Spaces for anyone exploring crypto and wanting to learn from others that have already dived into the space. From NFT artists to savvy crypto investors to everyday people just like you and I, this is a place where we can come together and learn about this new wave of innovation. I am so excited for today's guest. From the beginning of this show, when it started back in July of 2021, I had a bucket list of guests I was hoping to have a chance to chat with more to learn about their journeys. Today's guest was on that bucket list. As a collector of NFTs from very early on last year, there were a few pioneer collectors that I loved watching because of their ability to spot fine art in the digital realm, but then also because of their conviction that they had to place massive bets on those pieces. Not only is he a legend for his NFT collection, but he also was one of the first collectors in the space to build and use the blockchain to give back to those that supported him in his journey through his collection, the NFT Guild. It's my honor to share the stage with someone I've looked up to throughout my journey in the NFT space. Amir, what is going on? Thanks for joining the show. Oh, thank you very much. What an introduction. Wow. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, that was, I mean, very kind words. I'm honored to be here. And... Um, yeah, yeah, let's 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 do this. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. You know, I always start the show with the same question. So let's go uh, and just talk about your journey into the crypto and NFT space, whichever came first. Just chat with everyone a little bit how you got involved uh, with the blockchain, but then also um, if that came first, how that evolved into your passion for NFTs as well. Of course. Uh, well. Uh, obviously, crypto was the first, so I got into crypto. I've been into technology, right? I was working um, back in '90s when I was living in Iran, and the internet there were like a completely new thing. I started to work as a, a hardware engineer in a company. Mm-hmm. We were installing broadband connection, but it was like dial-up connection, more like through phone lines and that weird noise of connecting through dial-up, which is a weird thing for, uh, I mean, people these days. But like that old times, we need to use the phone lines and connect through dial-up. So I, I, would, I used to go to people's home and install the internet. So I was into computers and then I got into uh, software, learning about programming and everything. And then eventually, I uh, got to know about cryptos and blockchain. So I got into cryptos. And um, in terms of collecting, as, as long as I can, uh, I can remember, I used to collect. Like, it wasn't artwork that I was collecting, like stamps. I remember my, my grandfather had a huge collection of stamps, like a huge books with those amazing stamps. And... Uh, I remember I was eight years old. I used to save all the coins and everything. And then I used to go to my, to my local post office to buy stamps. So I was collecting uh, a lot of things uh, up until 
about 15 years ago where I started uh, to collect artworks. Um, my physical collection of fine artworks is about 700 pieces uh-huh. today, including paintings, limited edition prints, sculptures, all sorts of artworks. Um, I remember it was maybe 2017. Uh, I don't remember the exact date, but um, I came across a website. Um, I think the name of the website was My Cryptons. They actually were drawing um, important people's face and they were minting them on the blockchain. It wasn't called NFTs. It uh-huh. was called, I don't know, like artwork on blockchain, something like that. So I bought a lot of uh, Iranian politicians and also uh, the Queen of England. At the time, I was not living, I think I was living in Iran, still in Iran, I don't remember, or, or states, I don't know. Um, so I bought a lot of like those pieces. And then obviously, like many others, God's Unchained, I have a huge collection of gods on chain and then everything stopped. Fast forward to 2020, my art dealer in Hong Kong sent me a message and he said, mate, you need to go to this website called Don't Buy Me. And then you need to buy their token, stake it, and then they're going to give you another token. And then you can use that token to buy artworks and people is going to drop there. So make sure going there. Everything was new for me. So it, it took me about a day to understand what my art delay was telling me. So I went to Don't Buy Me. I bought their token. I staked it. I think they, they used to give, I don't know, pineapples. Mm-hmm. Um, so I staked those pineapples. And I remember I got a lot of pieces on Don't Buy Me, including Fioches. Um, and many, many other uh, amazing artists that uh, were dropping there. People never dropped there. So that was my entry point into the NFT space with Don't Buy Meme. And then, like everyone else, my first uh, co- like serious collection of artwork, um, I started on Nifty Gateway. Uh-huh. And I bought my very first pieces there. And then from there, I got to know amazing, amazing people, including Ryan Sankuex, which is in the audience. Hi, Ryan. Um, and I was lucky enough to connect with Farouk and Jin, which sadly passed away last year, and Paolo and Nicole uh, on Clubhouse days. Mm-hmm. So we started to go into rooms, talk about NFTs and like, I got connected to John Ledger and all those amazing people. And suddenly I found myself being treated as, as I don't know, someone important <laughs> like mm-hmm. in NFT space. Uh, so yeah, it was a crazy journey for me, but very interesting, very exciting, really, really exciting. Yeah, it was uh, this last year in 2021 was so interesting because there was such a huge wave of new people coming to the blockchain space, but a lot of uh, original, uh, a lot of 
those people originally came because of the art and the NFTs, and then they learned about um, the blockchain and the power of it after. And I think that is such a cool thing that um, I've recognized in the last years that this is really an onboarding tool to the blockchain, which is so uh, amazing and inspiring to see that it, it can really fit and bring anyone in um, if you just take time and learn about it. So one thing that I love is that um, um, people have had mentors like you to help understand the power of the blockchain. And one thing I'd love for you to talk about is prior to NFTs and prior to uh, prior to getting involved in blockchain art, I, I wanted to hear about your conviction in the blockchain and uh, in crypto in general. What made you so passionate? What made you have so much conviction in this new technology? Um, you know, sometimes you just, I don't know, leaving something, you become a hodler. So when I first heard about cryptos, I think it was Bitcoin, the first thing that I've heard about, and then it was Litecoin, uh, and then Ethereum, and then um, lots of other coins. I, remember, I don't remember. I mean, I, I used to have a lot of other tokens and coins. I still have a lot of uh, like Litecoin, a lot of Litecoins, and uh, a little bit of Bitcoin, and a lot of Ethereum, and probably other, other tokens as well. The first time that I've heard about Bitcoin, um, it was really interesting because it was something unusual. I remember at the time I was reading a lot about the inflation, about uh, especially the Fed, uh, like uh, printing money out of thin air, about the economy, about how um, uh, the monetary system used to be backed by gold. And then at some point in time, they decided to just not do that. I mean, they stop continuing to, to use gold as the back of the currency. And when I heard about the Bitcoin, I was like, I think that would be sort of the future for, for, for the um, monetary system or sort of borderless payments. Of course, at that time, it was really difficult to spend Bitcoin. Um, whenever I was, I was going, I mean, I remember, clearly remember, I was going to my friends and I was telling them, okay, you need to get on Bitcoin, you need to buy Bitcoin. Some of them were like, is it like Gold Quest? I don't know if you guys know that Gold Quest, I think, was like one of those, I don't know, like Ponzi schemes or, or I don't know, some something, some sort of network marketing thing. Mm -hmm. People used to tell me, is it Gold Quest? The others were like, oh no, I know these are, these has been created by like, I don't know, Russia to do some crazy things. I mean, all those conspiracy theories because people having, I mean, people had a hard time to understand how else can you look at the current um, monetary system in the world. Mm -hmm. And then I started to, I mean, when Ethereum came in, it was really interesting because it, 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 it was giving us a tool to write programs which were sort of independent of any centralized server. Mm -hmm. So you didn't need a server to, to run a program. And that was huge. I mean, it was hard to comprehend at that time. How can you write a program that can, write, can, can be run on a virtual machine that it doesn't need a server? 
So that was mind blowing. And uh, I mean, at, I, I remember at that time, uh, I was trying so hard to understand how this thing even works. Mm-hmm. What year was get this? my head around it. I don't remember. It, maybe about 2000, I don't know, eight, seven, mm-hmm. maybe. Um, so the, the, uh, the blockchain technology was a little more uh, understandable for me because I had this background in programming and computers and technology in general. And when you are a nerd in computer, so you have this passion for technology, anything technology, anything new in technology. So you just want to have them. I remember I used to have different mobile phones because uh, the time that I'm talking about, there were no iPhone. It was like way before the first iPhone, it was Nokia, I think, was the dominance of the market in mobile phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember like changing phones because I was like, I, I loved new technologies. A- a- anything that was new, like new laptops, new mobile phones. Mm-hmm. And then when the blockchain came in, of course, it was a revolution. At the time, I couldn't understand how big it is, right? Mm-hmm. Because no one could understand blockchain. What are you even talking about? Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah. So it was really hard for people to understand. Uh, but like, I, I, I can't say that I was seeing the, the future where all these institutions will shift to Web3 and decentralized programming languages. But no, I was like, it was interesting, but I wasn't resistant mm-hmm. to understanding or accepting cryptos and blockchain. And I think the only reason was that I was coming from technological background. I love your your story, um, partly because I connect with the aspect of understanding. I was a huge gold and silver bug prior to getting into crypto. Uh, and it was for similar reasons why I made the move over to crypto a little uh, much later than you did, because I, I didn't see it being adopted for a long time. I thought it was too small. I didn't see how it was going to go mainstream. So I would just uh, hold gold and silver as kind of that hedge against inflation and money printing. But um, one other thing that I really love about um, the blockchain is the decentralized aspect of it. It allows allows things to go more borderless and um, and more so than just the art or the cryptos that we own. The blockchain is such an important global technology in terms of the impact it can have for humanity. And I would love for you to just talk about the power of having uh, like this technology that's borderless where um, it doesn't matter where we're at throughout the world. We can interact and exchange value with each other and how uh, big of a thing that is in terms of um, the evolution of tech, because that's something we've never had before. You know, when when Internet came in, it it was like uh, when I was trying to explain to people what the Internet is, um, I used to use sort of interconnected international neurological system right so uh, i used to tell people that there are a bunch of computers that they're all connected imagine that you could communicate with uh, your friend or your family member uh, on the other side of the uh, world simultaneously instantly Mm -hmm. right so that that's what internet is it just 
connects everyone through the world. It, it, it's like a telephone, but like for everything. It's like fax machine, but all sorts of data can travel, not only black and white texts or, or pictures, which the fax machine used to do. Um, like I believe that the blockchain is just the next step for mm -hmm. the, the connection. Uh, we used to have radios and then telephones and then I, I don't know if that's a, 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 the correct order, but like, and then like fax machines, they were more advanced and, and then the intranet, which were like sort of enclosed sort of, uh, internal networks of connection and then the internet. And now we are talking about blockchain. The blockchain is also, it's like um, the, the power of blockchain is that unlike internet, which relies on uh, individual computers and you need to trust the data that is stored on those individual computers because the blockchain actually, it's a chain of blocks, mm -hmm. right? So each block, holds the information about the whole blocks prior to that, right? So if you were to go and ch grab one of the blocks in the middle of this chain and try to change the data on that block, it would be impossible because you need to then change all that information in all the blocks prior and after that. Yeah. Right? So that gives us enormous power in sort of being able to trust the data because it's impossible to 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 uh, change any data on the blockchain mm -hmm. right so that is the amazing power that the blockchain gives us especially because we eventually started to move towards the value of information the information these days, the data is more valuable than, than any sort of uh, precious metal or any sort of monetary system. The data, the information is the most valuable thing that we as humans are, are, are developed and are trying to keep safe. Yeah. So blockchain is actually giving us that option to keep that information safe. And the use cases is just enormous. I mean, whatever you can think of, it can be done through blockchain more efficiently and more securely. And the most important is that it's trustless. You don't need to trust other party um, that the, the, the thing that they claim is correct. You just need to check the blockchain, all the records on the blockchain. If it's confirmed, that's it. Yeah. I don't I love... know if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm answering your No, you definitely are. Just <laughs> I think one thing that I love, I wanted to talk a little bit more about the technology because I think that's something that um, not all of my guests uh, have as much of a deep knowledge in and I think is really important to be able to help explain. Um, and because the blockchain, uh, one thing that it solved was the double the double spend dilemma that we had on the internet, which is why you have credit card companies, all these places where you have to double check, make sure no one spent, spent something in the process. But like you said, it's impossible to do that on the blockchain because it settles and then there's no way you can change it. Um, and so one thing that I, I think about is 
you know, the blockchain is decentralized in a way because it's grown um, kind of organically and uh, uh, over time on the Bitcoin network, Ethereum network, but it is definitely possible for it to be centralized and you can create centralized blockchains as well. So blockchain inherently, uh, you know, what we see now, um, like uh, the digital currency of the WAN, or, you know, we, we see a company like Facebook uh, wanting to come into the metaverse space. And so I was, I wanted to just chat for a second about how the blockchain inherently is very powerful, but it's very important to also realize some of this back uh, underlying tech because in the year to come, I'm sure we're going to continue to see a lot of the the legacy Web2 world and a lot of um, legacy governments in, in kind of coming in and trying to capture a part of the space. And so I'd love for you just talk about how important it is that you know, people that are using crypto and NFTs understand what this what this means when you see bigger companies coming in uh, and and kind of interacting and understanding where when you're interacting in a decentralized manner versus versus like a centralized manner. Because I don't think a lot of people understand the difference between that. Right. Okay. So the blockchain is basically the concept behind the. Uh, sort of the cryptos or the backbones of all those uh, cryptocurrencies, especially Ethereum, right? The blockchain, the concept of blockchain is very interesting. And that's why uh, institutions are mainly uh, interested in blockchain, but not crypto. And it might be hard for people to, to, to differentiate these two. The blockchain is the concept of keeping a copy of the data of all the previous and uh, uh, the, all the prior and next sort of blocks in each block. So the, the concept of the blockchain makes a lot of difference in terms of how you store and handle the data. So that's the importance of the blockchain. The concept is very important. So blockchain doesn't necessarily mean a cryptocurrency, doesn't necessarily mean Ethereum or Bitcoin or any other uh, cryptos. Uh, I mean, Bitcoin is famous because it was the first uh, cryptocurrency that was built based on the concepts of blockchain, right? But the concept is different from the use case. It, uh, blockchain can have a lot of use cases. Uh, so as, as you correctly mentioned, uh, one of the use cases of blockchain, especially for governments, is a sort of centralized system within their own organization where they can use it for passport control, right? Because first of all, it's, it's centralized in the terms of being accessible only within uh, the institutions that are connected to that uh, government body, let's say the, 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 the home office of the UK, right? which they, they hold all the information about the passports that ever been issued. So it's on the blockchain, internal blockchain of the home office. And each country can access that information on the blockchain. And it would be impossible for anyone to create a fake passport uh -huh. because it's impossible for anyone to change the record on the blockchain, right? So the concept of the blockchain is that where Many countries are looking into using that. Many financial systems, big banks, big corporations, 
governments. I heard that the governments of UAE, United Arab Emirates, they are uh, actually using blockchain technology for their immigration uh, department in, in the government. Mm -hmm. So that gives us a trustless sort of way to handle the data. And that's the most important aspects of the blockchain. On the other hand, when we're talking about the decentralized aspects of the blockchain, of course, I mean, the, 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 when we say decentralized, it means that no one controls the whole data. Each one of us as nodes in this blockchain, the decentralized blockchain, we have, I mean, imagine that, let's imagine that you are one of the nodes, which you have a full copy of the whole ledger of all the transactions on that particular blockchain that you're participating in. So each of us has a full copy of that, the whole ledger, right? And we are all contributing on authenticating the data and making sure the data is correct. So because all of us having the same share on sort of making sure the data is correct, checking the integrity of data and everything, it's sort of decentralized because if I decide to change anything, it would be impossible. Even though if I, when I hold, when I have a, a complete copy of the ledger. Also, if I go out of this network, if I turn off my node, uh, it would it wouldn't affect the whole system. Also, if I decide to do something crazy, it would be impossible. So that's why it's called decentralized. No one node can affect the whole area. But we all heard about the China crackdown on Bitcoin miners, right? So the, the mining on, on, on Bitcoin is a small example of decentralized sort of blockchain because there are all sorts of different people. They are acting as uh, sort of nodes in the Bitcoin ecosystem, which each of them tries to solve the block and then when the block is solved, it means that it's mined and then it, it will be confirmed by the network. And then the reason that they say that it needs to have at least six confirmation, it means that six different nodes needs to confirm the same same block. Then it means that, that that block is confirmed. So what happened is that there are some large farms that they have large number of nodes which are participating in that decentralized blockchain. And because they have they have access or co they control a large number of nodes, if they decide to do something, they might be able to do that, right? Mm -hmm. So th that's another aspect of the blockchain when we, we're talking about decentralized aspects of it. It would be somehow hard to achieve a complete decentralization of the blockchain because somewhere at some point, some entity with enough resources and money, which eventually would be a government, would invest a lot of money and resources to have the ability to be, uh, to, 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 to make it centralized in some sense, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So that's another aspect that it's already there. People are debating on that. Yeah. Um, it's uh, a yeah. it is it's fascinating to me. I mean, I love these conversations. And I'm glad there's so many people in this room learning too, because I think one aspect of um, being into crypto and NFTs, like a lot of people get in, um, like I, I 
my background and the reason I got in was very much because of the decentralization aspect of it, because of um, the power of of a hard currency, um, because of that power that the blockchain gives. And there's been, you know, in the ICO craze of 2017 and 18, uh, we saw a lot of um, a lot of people that were building smart contracts on Ethereum, hoping to create a decentralized network. Um, but it is, like you said, like it takes. It's very, very difficult to create like these de- truly decentralized um, uh, chains because it really it, it's a it's a very selfless thing. You, you you'd want basically you have to give complete control over, and then also you have to be careful because, like you said, if it, if control is released too quickly, then you also lose the ability to kind of um, to get it back. Which I actually saw investing early on in. In 17 and 18, there were a couple of chains that were basically uh, a few people became so powerful and they held so much control that that the the creators of the blockchain almost lost control of the 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 blockchain itself because of the uh, the amount of nodes that people were able to to take on. And so it's just fascinating because there's um, the technology behind all of this amazing stuff happening is so delicate in terms of um, being able to make it decentralized, to make it the people's currency. To, and um, I think that we have a big enough system in place where hopefully, you know, especially Bitcoin and Ethereum um, have become so decentralized that hopefully we won't ever see th- that those issues um, happen. But I, I just, I, I appreciate you kind of breaking that down because you you're such a mentor to some of the so some of the leaders in the NFT space, and hearing you talk about this just uh, makes me so excited because it just I know that people that are in the space and leaders that are in the NFT space they're learning so much from you. Um, I'd love to ask you when you're talking and making friends with uh, artists and um, some of the the individuals you've collected from. What are some of the most important teachable moments you feel you've been able to give to others that are kind of uh, learning about the blockchain and identifying how to get started in the space? Um, I think it would be really hard to point on even one occasion because first of all, because this space is evolving really fast and there are lots of things going on, uh, even the, the connection that I have with all those amazing and beautiful artists, like personal collection, connections, like you're talking about our daily lives or some, some like, I don't know, weather, some small talks. Mm-hmm. All those are happening, like, I don't know, 100 times per day with different people. And we are constantly teaching each other. We are learning from each other yeah. different things, right? So it would be sort of impossible uh to to point to one but i can say with each and every artist that i became friends with and each and every institutions that i became friendly especially keith grossman the president of time where we talk almost every day i've learned a lot i can mm-hmm. i can say that i mean prior to nfts right i've always been a sort of explorer Beside being an activist, I, I try to explore everything. Like even religion, I went to India, I spent months in India in, in, in uh, a village to understand 
one uh, sort of a, a, a person was that I don't want to name, but like I went there, I spent a lot of time there to understand what they are saying. I spent a lot of time understanding different religions, different philosophies, even conspiracy theories. I spent a lot of time about like understanding physics, understanding space. I mean, a lot of time, right? Mm -hmm. So I, the NFT space is no difference. I, I still keep learning. I still share my knowledge. But the only thing that they can say about the NFT space is whatever I've learned prior to NFT is usable in this space, mm -hmm. right? Because we have such an amazing community, we are in close contact with, with each other. And many times it's like the Slam Dunk uh, Millionaire website uh, mm -hmm. film, right? Mm -hmm. So I see something, I, I, I've been asked a question or um, I, I get into a situation and I say, oh, I experienced the same thing when I was doing that thing that year, right? So it's, it's so fascinating and it's so great that I can use all those experiences that I've gained through my life. I'm only like, I'm a bit old, I'm 45, but like I spent a lot of time researching and understanding and I can use all of that in the NFT space. You know what I love is that to, your answer to that question was just about um, the question was about teachable moments, and you're, you you um, basically returned and said that you just you able you've been learning from other people as well, and I think that shows why so many people look up to you is because in order to be a really great leader, empathy and trying to understand and be curious is uh, inherently what what makes someone um, an amazing person, and so I just love that you kind of turned that back because it is true there's um even though you know your skill or your understanding of the blockchain uh may be able to help someone else they have something to offer that you can learn from them as well and realizing that you know we're all growing together i mean that's what kind of gives you gives you hope for humanity too is just that you know like that constant learning and that evolution of curiosity is so great in this space and just hearing uh, even from someone like you that's a leader to just talk about how you're uh wanting to learn from others as well is just uh it's it's awesome so thank you for being such an amazing and humble leader in the space um because it's it's something that uh, we don't see from everyone. And so I'm glad that uh, there's so many people that do look up to you. And I don't think there's any question why they do. Um, because they're because they're just, uh, there's just like this sense of authenticity about your when you speak and um, that you truly, you truly feel like it's coming from the heart. I want, I want to uh, transition and ask you a question about um, about some NFTs, because this is I've watched you from the beginning of the space. You talked about Nifty Gateway earlier on in the interview. And I, uh, it's kind of when I learned about you is because I would be watching a lot of the auctions and stuff. And you were always uh, battling early on in 2021 uh, and just win like winning so many amazing pieces. And so um, that's kind of when I had uh, learned about you. But I, I, Obviously, from early 2021, when generative 
PFPs weren't really around besides maybe the CryptoPunks um, that didn't really take off until May or June. Uh, and then one of ones and individual artists started to see volume going down because a lot of these, a lot of money was going into these uh, generative art profile pictures and stuff. So I wanted to ask this question because as a big collector of fine art and one of ones, wanted to get your opinion about how you felt and and what you thought about that shift in kind of where investment was going and then also uh just what you think about the market and if it'll evolve and kind of rebalance over time um and where you think where you think that we could be headed especially with a lot of one of one artists coming to the space um and trying to kind of uh break through the noise to get to get noticed now right okay so i remember at the time that uh it was all about one-on-ones. One issue that I was addressing a lot in private conversation as well as in clubhouse rooms that we had was because it was very interesting for artists at the time that they could sell the artwork for such and such amounts of eat. Many artists, they oversaturated their own market, right? They were tons of drops i remember at the time nifty gateway i think they're still having doing that like five six drops of of hundreds of works per day right and they were all selling fast like all selling out and over time the excitement went away because like the, the market was like oversaturated and people started to realize that they won't make money especially those flippers those people that they were buying in a hope of a small return or a big return. So the market was oversaturated. People stopped buying. Then all the um, excitement of, of some artists faded away because maybe they were thinking that this is, I don't know, a temporary craze, the NFT. So let's make something out of it but they saw that no it's not gonna go anywhere and only those that are not looking into making money or or sort of as they call them money grabbers are gonna stay in this space so they stopped dropping and like that interest also went down now why the pfps started to gain traction it's all about the culture. It's all about these. Uh, when you when you form a community um, in any in any industry, when you form a community, then a culture starts to appear, right? A culture starts to form, and that culture begs for some thing to connect them. That's why CryptoPunks and then after that all those different pfp projects because the first of all it was in large number so they they could attract a large number of the community large portion of the community and then they had something similar to keep them connected mm-hmm. so that's why that that the pfp projects were successful because they gave those communities something in common so they started to gather more, to, they, they make them closer together and they form different communities. So that was, that was inevitable. I think that, that is part of it. When a community forms, 
that people start to look for something to start to create their own communities around themselves. Yeah. So that, that happens. And that's, that's part of the, uh, the culture that they're creating. And that's part of the NFT movement that we are part of, right? And one thing that I think we as part, a sort of people that have a little bit of voice in this space have, need to do is to educate people about different kinds of NFTs. First of all, we need to teach people that NFT is not about art only. It's not about PFPs only. It's not about it. It's a, it's the underlying technology. Mm-hmm. It's the medium that you can create a lot of things on top of the NFT. NFT can is a tool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we have NFT art, which is any sort of artwork, edition or 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 unique or like one of one, that. It has artistic value, either because the artist is blue chip or because the artwork just resonates with you. So that's that's the sort of subjective part of the NFT. And then we have the NFT collectibles, which are like all anything that you just want to collect because either you like to collect them or you see any value in future, in sort of resale value in future. You just collect them. Mm-hmm. Part of the collectibles are PFPs, where you use as your profile picture or avatar in, in metaverse or in uh, social media or any anywhere any virtual space, right? And then there are other use cases like music's on the block uh, on, on NFTs. We have films on the NFTs. Mm-hmm. We have uh, like use cases, real world use cases like ticketing systems. We have. A lot, a lot more use cases for NFTs that even we cannot think of now. Yeah. People will sort out later on. So I think once we educate people that NFT, first of all, is not crypto. I mean, we need to shift our understanding of NFT away from crypto culture. Yeah. In crypto culture, you used to buy into different projects because you were thinking that I'm going to make a quick buck. But we need to shift our understanding of NFT because otherwise we will be left alone. Mm-hmm. At some point, we would be the ones who are left out because the NFT will continue. This is a technology. This is not a cryptocurrency. This is not a, a single use tool. Mm-hmm. It's a multi-use tool. It's a technology and we will be the one who left out. So we need to shift our mindset out of crypto culture. NFT is not only about art. It's not about making money. It's not about flipping. It's the, it's 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 way broader. It's way bigger. It's a technology, and one aspect of it is the community that gets all all of us together. We can share a common PFP or whatever. But that's only one aspect of the NFT. Sorry yeah. for my long No, I, I love that. I mean, I think I think there's a lot of learning happening in this room because you're right. Like you can't look at uh, you, NFT is the technology and NFT is being associated with art uh, a lot right now or just JPEGs. But really, it could be anything. It could be your allocation in a DAO to, you know, ownership of how much you own of a home or it could be it could be just a lot of things. And so as it evolves, it's important to kind of continue to address that and remind people because like uh, there's already that debate about the the word NFT uh, in Wikipedia. And so it's interesting because it's it is it's it's art, but 
it's also community profile picture projects and there's uh, ticketing. And like you said, it's just like a huge world that it's uh, you, you have to make sure to encompass the whole thing. So we have some people requesting to come up for questions. We're going to start switching over to the community corner aspect of the show. But I just wanted to... Uh, to thank you again, Amir. I mean, I probably could talk with you for another hour and just continue to learn because it is so, it's um, it's great to be able to have artists and people in the space, but to have someone that is able to help educate about the blockchain too is so beneficial. And I hope a lot of people take time to listen to this show. But if you have a question for Amir, it's now time for you to come up and ask some questions. So we're going to um, start bringing people up here in for Community Corner. Get your catnip and questions ready. It's time for you to take the stage for another segment of Community Corner. All right, Farouk, Farouk, are you there, Farouk? GM. GM, 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 what up, what up? (laughs) What is going on? Had to bring you up. I know you were so excited when I told you Amir was coming on the show, so thank you so much for being here. Dude, heck yeah, man. Amir is literally like, I would say like, I would personally say, I, and I don't say that about a lot of people in my life, is someone I look up to and I, I'm inspired by. So, you know, when I heard Amir's here, I'm like, I'll be there at 11. I'm going to sit down and listen for the whole time. And when I have a chance to come up and say what I want to say, I will. But, you know, without Amir, you know, a lot of us wouldn't be where we're at, whether it's artists, uh, creators, and builders like myself. And so as we sell, sold out yesterday, you know, it's, I'd like to say here, a big thank you to Amir, because without Amir, I personally wouldn't be where I am. So if I hadn't met Amir back in March, I don't think I would have made certain decisions I made or gone certain routes I went without his sound advice. I used to be on the phone with Amir on average one to six hours per day for two to three months mm-hmm. as I started, literally, on FaceTime, this and that. And, and, and it's just, you know, I think people need to understand like, cause now the space moves, a lot of people coming up, a lot of new people come in, get big, blah, blah, myself included. I just don't want us to forget like where a lot of people actually get it from, you know, and someone like Amir who came in was a champion for artists, was a champion for art, you know, art specifically. And, and, and he, he allowed, he, you know, he, 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 through his capital injections, through his wise, wise words and through his actions, managed to change a lot of lives and and propulse the nft space because if it wasn't for the early so-called whales i don't like to use that word but the early people who were actually injecting capital into the space maybe we wouldn't have had a run that we had like we did last year so um i think i think it's important to see on the record that you know amir has been really essential for 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 everyone including myself yeah, and, and just hearing how he talks, and, and uh, you can tell his selflessness. It's a beautiful thing, and uh, it's a thing that more leaders in the space, I know, strive to be be like, because uh, as we grow Web3, it's uh, it's about, it has to evolve into about being about everyone, and so, and I, I know he also, uh, I was looking through his wallet, I was telling you, and he has a lot of Rug Radio passes, so he's a, he's a big believer in what you're building, too. Thank you, Amir. <laughs> That's all I oh, can come say. on, come on. But, I mean, first of all, Farouk, yeah. Uh, so, um, I think most of this space, at least those who were present at that time, know that um, everything started with Farouk messaging me on Twitter, right? He even minted that piece on Foundation, and it's in my collection. So, Farouk messaged me and 
it all started from there. So uh, I owe Farouk, uh, Jean, uh, Paolo, Nicole, and all those people that helped me from on those early days because they had their platform. I mean, Farouk was always been in social media. He he always been a community builder. He always been a celebrity, and he actually helped me a lot on those early days because without these guys, uh, I, I wouldn't have a voice. So it, it, it is sort of friendship first on this space. So we became friends, we started to support each other. And I believe that's the most important and the most beautiful things about what we are today and who we are today. We help each other to build a lot of things, a lot of things. We, we help each other to build a lot of artists in this space. And we help to shape the NFT space. All of these guys, even artists, like people like Ryan, thank you, X, he was there from day one, right? And he was like a major, major part of, of this movement. He helped, he never talked about that, right? He is helping still to this day. He is helping artists, first of all, onboarding them to the NFT space helping them to find collectors, curating their works into different exhibitions. So this is a teamwork effort. I mean, the NFT space wasn't built like, like out of nowhere. All those people that were there from day one, they all helped shape the, the space that we are seeing today. If there are any sort of people are enjoying all the board apes and everything, Farouk was a main part of Board Apes, right? And like Keith Grossman, hi Keith, I, I see him in the speak, uh, speakers as well. Hello, he, hello. Hi, hi, hi. So Keith Grossman, like he was one of the most important aspects of institutions acknowledging the NFT space, right? So don't look at the NFT space, especially for those people that are coming like recently into NFT space. This space was built by a community of people, friends that dedicated their time and life and resources to sh shape this space. So that's one important aspect that we should never forget. This space that we are seeing now, these amazing communities, these love that we are seeing in these communities, the, the amount of success that we are seeing, these are all were built by all those amazing people that were there, dedicated their lifetime and resources and money to, to help shape and create this space. So just wanted to mention that, sorry. No, that's beautiful. It is so important to realize all of our spots too, like everyone, regardless of where you're at, like where if you don't grow and find community and other people that you connect with, it's hard to grow in this space. We all grow together. And this is just like another example of that. Um, Keith, I saw you uh, request to come up. I wanted to bring you up to, uh, to because I know you and Amir are close friends as well. But also if you had a question that you think could help the, the group of listeners we have. So I, I actually, and I apologize, I have no questions because I speak to Amir every day. <laughs> and I ask him my questions every day. Um, I just... You know, I love because Amir always likes to stay in the background and he's so humble 
And, you know, um, like very few people know that Amir prefers New York City bagels over Montreal bagels. But he's told me that numerous times, but he would never say that publicly. Um, but, you know, Amir was one of the most influential people um, in, in I hate uh, shaping. This guy, we have a troll. We have a troll on stage. Oh, sorry. Am I, am I unmuted? Sorry, I was telling Vanessa I hate you. <laughs> send, send Vanessa my love for Oak. That was, uh, <laughs> um, no, but, but I, I mean, he's just been so wonderfully instrumental in so many of, of, our thinking, uh, you know, uh, I, Farouk has been instrumental in, in so much of what, what has happened with, with time. So has Ryan, the thank you X. So is so many other people in, in the audience. Um, uh, you know, and, uh, when I think back though, to a clubhouse event that I had, uh, you know, for times launch into the NFT space for one of ones, Amir was our first collector, right? Like Amir was, the person who, you know, after after he bought our Genesis drop, I called him up and I specifically just said, like, why did you buy this drop? Like, what does it mean to you? Like, what is it that um, you expect from me as a brand now that that you are essentially part of our family? And and from that day forward, and Amir, you can you can correct anything if I if I'm you know if I'm not saying it properly, but from that day forward, I feel like you know, Amir's constantly given me only great advice as to how I should think about um, community, collectors, um, uh, creatives, uh, you know, go to market strategy um, and the whole the whole lot. And so I just came because I, I just love Amir dearly um, uh, and he means so much to me, but he also means so much to the space and he never likes to be on stage. And so I just want to sort of like wax poetic about what a um, great human being at his core he is ryan i know you're up here as well i wanted to give you a chance to chime in and then i'll bring up a few people that may also have some other questions yeah what up everybody um yeah no amir has been like monumental in my career specifically but um everyone's like from those early days in 2021 and um you saw it early on it was like someone that came in had knowledge of art um, beyond just, uh, like a digital way. And he was supporting people, you know, without, uh, like looking for anything in return. He, he just loved art and I don't know, he's just been a good person in my corner and someone that I text a lot and, um, you know, share, share new stuff with, get advice, um, talk about other stuff besides NFTs, like our families and whatnot and how important that stuff is. Um, and yeah, I don't know, like this stage, like these speakers on stage have all been like really, really like big in, in my career. I'd definitely say um, for Oak, obviously, like um, meeting you as well was was huge for my career. And um, we became like good friends. And like someone said earlier, like this all started as like a friendship that we all kind of like there was some magnet pulling us all together. And we all found each other in Clubhouse and um yeah, it grew into like real friendships, which is just like the most valuable thing that I've ever had beyond like any sort of like financial way. But um, yeah, no, I, I was lucky enough to meet Amir um, last October and go see his gallery. And uh, me and Fawocious went out to Liverpool when Fawocious was delivering um, art to Amir. And it was just such a magical moment when we all saw each other on the street of Liverpool for the first time. We all just like started like 
like like dry crying we we're just like what like i can't believe this year this has been crazy like we've been through so much together but we'd never met irl mm-hmm. um i had similar feelings with when i met Faroque and keith grossman as well but um really being like in another country traveling like a couple hours to go Uh oh i think you muted there but i'll say one thing while ryan has been rubbed which is <laughs> um if 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 it hasn't been stated, Amir's also six foot seven. Okay. So <laughs> yeah, I've seen know, the like, pictures like of you guys meeting. There's an element, there's an element where like Farouk and I decided that if, I'm uh, a midget. if we ever, if <laughs> you, we ever you met, had to feel like a midget. Farouk. <laughs> so was... If Farouk and I ever met Amir together, we agreed that like, I would hop on Farouk's shoulders for a second to give him a hug. And then he would hop on my shoulders to give him a hug. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's great. No, go ahead, I think, Ryan. Did I get rugged? I, I don't know. Sorry. It just muted you. I don't know what happened. Yeah. My Bluetooth cut out on my headphones. Oh, there we go. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll end it with saying just that like um, the importance of community and just like honestly like relying on each other to like to reach out and and bounce ideas and stuff like that is is such an undervalued thing that I see. Like a lot of artists just try to go their own way 100%. And I yeah. think that's not the way because I think like if we talk about community, like we want to have feedback from other people and um, you know, whose opinions we respect and stuff. And I think that, um, this stage a lot for sure is, is that for me and, um, Amir in a, in a huge way, like, you know, I bounce ideas off him. I sent him works in progress. He sends me stuff. We talk about, you know, future plans and blah, blah, blah. Um, and you know, there's many people I do that with. And I think that's, you know, the key to success, um, in a lot of ways is just like leaning on the people who, um, whose opinions you trust and whose values you trust. Because I think that, it's easy to get caught up in the numbers and the sales and all that stuff. And, um, and the most valuable thing is like the long term of this and not just like the quick buck. Um, and I think Amir, you said earlier, like, um, you know, there was a time when a lot of artists were just, you know, doing drop after drop after drop. And I, I, I acknowledge that. And, um, I actually texted, you know, I said, man, I hope I, like that never comes across as something that I do. Cause I want to always be conscious of, what I'm putting out. And I think because coming from the art world, it's like, um, you know, you don't like the key is to like not put out a thousand paintings a year, but to put out like, you know, 20 paintings a year. Um, and so I hope that I continue to do that. And, uh, hearing you say those things over and over is a very valuable thing for me and other artists who are even just coming to the space to know that it's not just about like how much money or how many sales can I have today? It's how long can this last over, you know, a career? Yeah. And those like shared perspectives is so important, like the humility to be curious and not to just like think that you're right, I think is a huge aspect of why a lot of people have grown in this space is because you've got to continue to um, you got to continue to explore and push your own thinking and boundaries. And uh, especially like moving into the digital realm, there's so much to learn because it's new for everyone. And so I just love like, the the bouncing of ideas with collectors and the artists is such a beautiful thing and i just love hearing that story too because yeah i I also think by the way like i just sorry i just want to cut in it's not even about like artist collector relationship it's just about like people that you respect their opinion like so like you know um it could be another artist it could be someone who has never bought an nft but like pays heavy attention to the space or maybe it's just an artist uh outside of the space or it's just someone who you know, uplifts other artists. And I don't know, there's just many different things. I don't think it's necessarily always just a collector to 
artist relationship that matters. That's a good push too, because it is, it is, uh, much more wider encompassed than that. And it is, it's more about, it's really about humanity and just like being able to grow and learn with people. Uh, it's a beautiful thing. Thank you so much, Ryan, for coming up to and, and chatting for a little bit about your journey with uh, Amir. Tony, I brought you up. Did you have a question for Amir? Uh, yes, um, uh, I'm just happy to be here. I ain't going to lie to you guys. But uh, <laughs> um, um, he's absolutely right, man. I mean, we, we need more more builders, you know what I mean, I mean and, and gatekeepers to reach back for the other people. But also, just like what he said, we're onboarding. Like, you know, what I do is onboarding and and educating people into what the metaverse is. Um, it's all of us. We are creating the world that we see what we need to help people. You know what I mean? Help and reach back. And I think a lot of these big name corporations and a lot of these gatekeepers didn't really do a good job of, of building the world so it's equal for everybody and everybody has a chance, you know, to 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 make in this and have a supportive community. But it's a lot of people who, who's been in this game, you know, re- reaching back to help other people and, and also, you know, reaching back and make sure everybody else is, is going to be successful, giving them the tools they need, you know, like hosting spaces like this and inspiring other people to, you know, to, to reach and establish, you know, to, to get higher in, in, in life and stuff like this. And, and I just think it's like, you know, important gatekeepers of this. I just wanted to thank y'all for just hosting the space and, and being positive, spreading positive energy to everyone on this space. Thanks. Thank you so much, Tony, for coming up and uh, and just constantly being another person to help um, onboard and help educate others in the space, too. Ed, what's going on, man? How are you doing? What's good? What's good? GM, everybody. GM, um, GM. <laughs> I actually have a question. Yes. Um, I heard, I got to the tad bit of it, and uh, Mondo said that it's more than art, and it's more than these PFPs. It's more, it's a, it's a culture, and um, as an artist, um, it's uh, I I do, and I know this may it may be difficult to have an answer for this. But as an artist in the space, who you know is focused definitely on art, uh, how do how can they go about um, seeing it more than that, uh, learning more about the space, um, and not even so much about like you know when it comes to trading, but like also the the technology basis of it, and and seeing like how can they be a part of like because we are a part of it, but being more, right, and, and learning more uh, when it comes to just going forward uh, with the technology and um, the blockchain. Okay. Uh, thank you very much, Ed. Thank you very much, Tony. Thank you, Ryan, Pete, Baruch. So w- one thing that I can say is that in general, when we are talking about a decentralized space, if we want a decentralized space, it means that there is no leader. There is no one that knows anything more than us or has more authority or power more than anyone else. And that means that each of us, every one of us has a responsibility to educate ourselves with all any resources that we could find. Each of us has responsibility of making sure that the whole space is healthy. Each of us has responsibility to take care of the whole community. So if if we want a decentralized space, we should do our part in terms of all those different aspects of 
keeping and maintaining a decentralized space as the NFT community or whatever you want to name it. That would be a great entry point for us to test our abilities to see if we can maintain a decentralized space. In terms of learning about how to oh, man, maneuver in, in the NFT space, what to do, where to start or where to go. What I can say is that the NFT space, because it's decentralized, because we want it to be decentralized, it means that each of us needs to be, if you're an artist, you need to be a salesperson. It means that you need to learn how to, all the sales tricks, you need to learn how to build a brand. You need to learn how to create a community around yourself. And then you will grow. Like, like it, it, this is the decentralized space. Like no one can stop you from growing and no one can sort of help you because we are all equal in this space, right? <clears throat> so what I say is start from building your community, right? Learn how you can build your community. Then start to build your own brand in the NFT space, in this decentralized world. And then learn how to do marketing about your creation. Give people a reason to, for them to want to own your work, right? So think about all those aspects. And if each of us uh, learn and understand that if we want a decentralized space without any gatekeepers, without anyone that could uh, sort of manipulate this market, because if you guys give me, Amir, uh, a lot of power, a lot of like everyone looks out to me, oh, he knows everything or whatever. I mean, unconsciously, you are giving me the power to control this space right and eventually i will do that because i'm a human being so that's why when keith says rightfully says i prefer to not speak in stages or stay at the background is because i don't want to be that person who just gives a, takes away that decentralized aspect of the nft space so each of us has a responsibility and i my only suggestion based on experience is that build your community, learn how to build a brand and learn how to do marketing. And most importantly, answer this question, why someone needs to get your work? What, 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 would, it, what would the reason or what would be the benefit for them to have your work? Sorry about my law. No, no. Awesome. Uh, I just want to respond. Maybe my question was, uh, wasn't clear. Uh, I wasn't so much, uh, my question wasn't so much about the community building or the marketing whatsoever. It was really more so of like it being more than art uh, is what you, uh, is what I got from what you were saying. And I just wanted to see like what you meant about that uh, and how we as not only artists or creators or developers, those who are in the space be, should be able to look forward to that. Uh, right, for, right, right. Yeah. Okay, it wasn't so, so much about um, community or branding. Right. Sorry about that. See, no, 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 no worries, mate. So see, the, the, the simple thing that you can do with the NFT, with the technology, is mint a token and then assign a visual element 
which can be an artwork or anything that has visual aspects to it, or even a music video or, or any, any asset, assign that asset to that token. That, that's the simplest way to look at the NFT. But at the core, it involves programming the smart contract, right? If you want to be able to create more immersive sort of a, a different experience for your artwork, imagine, I mean, I, I'm not an artist, but I, I'm a little bit of a creator. I know that as an artist, when you think about a piece, when you visualize that piece, there is so much that you can do on a piece of canvas or, or a piece of paper because it's impossible to have all those ideas or that picture that you saw in, in your mind on that piece of canvas or on that piece of paper. But interestingly, blockchain gives you the option to have all, everything that you can see in your head as long as it can be translated into a machine language, into, into a language of the smart contract, you can achieve that through the NFT. So that's why I'm, I'm saying that the NFT is more than an artwork. The simple use case of the NFT is just assigning a, a, an asset, which can be an artwork to a token on the blockchain. But the more advanced option would be like, you actually doing some programming or collaborating with a programmer that can give life to your art and, can, and then eventually can give different experience to your collector or to the observer. I hope that that answers your question. It, it was good. Thank you. I and thank it. you so much for coming up too. Appreciate you um, constantly you. being no, curious. Well, all <laughs> right. Yeah, it, it's a that's a great question and something that I know a lot of people think about in the space. So thank you for bringing that up. Next, we got a Twitch personality. Wait, can I go can ahead? I, go ahead. Thank just, you. Uh, I want to. I just want to ask about one thing because Amir. Um, do you think that every artwork needs a utility? Is that what you're kind of saying? Or are you saying more that like, just think beyond like a still image canvas? Oh, no, 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 not necessarily. Artwork, I mean, art is art. Art never should have any utility because it just speaks for itself, right? Mm -hmm. when, when I say a reason, when I say give your collector a reason, it's about the, the creation that you've created, right? When, when I collect artworks, I'll give you an example. When I collect artworks, sometimes it's about my interpretation of the work. Sometimes it's about just, just my connection to the work. Sometimes it's about the personality of the artist. I just love the artist. I just want to get some piece of their creativity, creative mind, mm -hmm. right? So these are the reasons that you can give to your collector. Uh, and sometimes the artist is blue chip. It's a no-brainer. You need to get their piece because they're blue chip and you need to have their pieces in, the, in, in your collection. That reason is that. But sometimes you're creating a piece that is, you're creating sort of a collection, right? Or it's not even an art. It's a, it's a program on the blockchain. It's a piece of music. It's something that is beyond art. That's where you need to, uh, to convince me or give me good reason to collect your work. That's that's why, but no, no, not not artworks. Never an artwork never should have utility. Never ever because it's art. Except uh, for Ryan's awesome. stuff. Except for Ryan's stuff. I agree. I think Ryan <laughs> Ryan owes us all. I feel like I deserve a beanie or something, like one of those hats that you wear, like for every piece. He's gonna. Keith's gonna you know, just get Ryan, kicked. Keith's about to get kicked out of this room. 
<laughs> you missed me for Mario. Crazy Carl, you put me greatest, on the stage. <laughs> the greatest utility that Ryan works are is that you get to know Ryan himself. You mm -hmm. get to get a close connection with Ryan, which is beyond an amazing human being. That's the utility of collecting Ryan's work. I, I appreciate that. Um, and I just so you know, I, I understood what you meant when you were saying it. I just wa didn't want there to be any confusion for the younger artists in the room yeah. to think that you have to create something that has to have utility. I think that if you have something that has utility and that's a bonus and it like it aligns with the, the, the artwork and the intention, then that's one thing. But I think uh, a lot of people, especially now with like PFPs and stuff, like focus on like the utility and which is not a bad thing by any means, but I just don't want everyone to think that like every piece you do has to have utility. Yeah, agreed. And thank you for clarifying that. And it goes back to what we were talking about earlier with Amir about how NFTs have to start not just being classified into one thing because it's so NFTs are so many different things. Uh, Brisa Breezy, welcome to the stage. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Good morning. Thank you for having me up. Uh, good morning, Ed. Good morning, Amir. Um, I just want to say it's great to hear the way that Farouk and Keith and Ryan were giving Amir his flowers. Um, it's really great to see that in the community when people are able to recognize real, real recognize real. So when you see that out loud, it's wonderful to see that acknowledged and it just makes you realize that Amir is a real person that we should all be looking up to and listening to and getting his facts and knowledge. And one thing that you said, Amir, that I really appreciate is that we have to separate crypto from NFTs. Although it's difficult to do that, we have to recognize artists are artists and creators first. And that is their utility is that they can create out of thin air. And I really appreciate that you are trying to define the difference because cryptocurrency is very bro centric technology centric it's it's left brain and we, and artists are right brain and we just really need to focus on that and see the difference and i also am excited about crypto.com arena and the fact that to see a lakers game you might need to purchase an nft and and your season ticket might be an nft and it's so amazing to see that we're going to have mass adoption so much sooner because you know we look at top shot nba top shot and how many people got into nfts just because of that because of the trading card industry so it's really exciting to see and and that said amir since you are kind of a pioneer in this industry i'm curious to hear your opinion about sex workers and adult erotic nfts where do you see the future of adult erotica for nfts because you talk about decentralizing and being being able to have the ball in our court and for sex workers it's really important to not be deplatformed as we had that almost happen with OnlyFans last year. So what platforms do you see being the future for adult performers and NFT creators in this space and how do you see that market changing? Clarify that question I can. Uh, all right. So, I mean, first of all, thank you very much for kind words. Uh, any industry, any industry can utilize the power of, of the NFT. Uh, and also, I mean, 
basically the blockchain and, all, and NFT as a medium to um, make it more accessible for other people because people will understand it and it's tradable. So any industry, including adult workers, I mean, adult industry, they can uh, use the NFTs. And I don't see any reason for any particular or different platform for them to, to uh, use that NFTs. They can use OpenSea or any other platform, like all those platforms that you are having now or any other platform that you see in future. Um, all those, I mean, they are utility tokens, right? Or even they can be pieces of art. They can be pictures of the uh, of the sex workers. So there is no issue with that. And I don't see any reason that any platform would say, no, that's not considered art or that's not considered NFT. Anything can be NFT. And any platform is obliged to have those pieces on their marketplace. And if at some point any platform says that, for example, a piece from a sex worker cannot be listed on that platform, then we, I mean, as a community, we need to boycott that, that platform. I mean, any platform can be used and any industry can use the NFT. Uh, OpenSea actually did remove from a pretty famous um, creator some of her art that where she had like a strap on. And it was one of those things that it was shocking that it would be OpenSea. And OpenSea doesn't have the best customer service or um, response system, unfortunately, even though we're making them like billions and billions of dollars. Unfortunately, OpenSea doesn't have the best uh, response system. So, so she never really got a response and it did get taken down. So that's why I was curious. I've heard of SpankChain. I've heard of Nifty, XXX. I just was curious if you had any that you are fond of or that you're watching out for or if there's anything that you could recommend to the audience? Um, no, but if, if OpenSea did that, I mean, I'm, I, I'm happy to uh, uh, contact OpenSea and see what was the reason for them. But like sometimes they, they are obliged in, in very like rare cases because I think that's the usual thing that they do. If the website audience I mean, if the website doesn't monitor the audience and it, it allows everyone under the age of 18 to access the website, I think then uh, they, they're obliged by law to block some content. But I can see, I mean, I don't see any reason for, for that to not have uh, a content being marked. I mean, actually, I saw when you're listing an item or when you're minting an item on OpenSea, you can check that it, it's sort of plus 18. Uh, but if all those aspects were followed, and again, OpenSea blocked that, I'm happy. To, I'm happy to contact OpenSea and get a response from them. That's amazing. So I'll, I think just like this is another example of connection being made. And thank you so much for coming on stage and uh, and and asking that question because it is something. I think that something that I just continue to think about is that the evolution of this tech is just beginning, and I know that there's really smart people out there tackling different parts of different industries. And I know that we're going to continue to see the evolution and um, so that things like this don't happen. And I think it's uh, I think there's, there's, it's just like really important though, to constantly bring up like every sector and every industry and how uh, it can be utilized to the NFTs and blockchain can be utilized 
to help protect uh, protect people. So thank you for coming up. I wanted to end. We have to end because uh, I want to respect Amir's time, but also uh, the, sh- the show. We could easily go on for hours, Amir. I really appreciate you coming on. But Nicole had requested to come up, and I think she'd be a perfect person to end on because I know how close she is to you. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Nicole. Shout out to Nicole. Thanks, Carl. Um, as you all know, I, I just woke up, so, but I did request to come up and I, yeah, I just wanted to say Mondor has helped all of us in so many different ways and everything that he touches, everything that he does turns to gold. Um, and we're, we're just so grateful for you. Um, I'm so sad that I missed the beginning part of this. I don't see that it's recorded. It's, it's not, I'm recording it right, on the Carl? back end. I'm recording it. So it'll oh, be it'll are? be on the podcast. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. I'm so excited. Yeah, it's um, been a great show. Okay. So anyone that missed any part of it, um, it it'll be recorded and if you the on the links on my uh, page you can get the the links to the podcast on Apple and Spotify and it'll be up there just a little bit later today. Okay, cool. Thank God. All right. Well, well, then my time here is done. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> but thank yeah, thank you. And um, yeah, Mondoir is, is really just the legend among legends. And most of us, a lot of us wouldn't even be here without him. So I'm yeah. just going to I'm just going to with that for anyone who just joined. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up, too. If you did just um, come at the end of the show or just while people were asking questions, I definitely encourage you to go back and listen to this podcast because it is uh, amazing, amazing insights from someone in the space that doesn't come up on and doesn't uh asked to go on stage often. Um, I actually had asked him, I've asked him several times because he doesn't like to be on the stage. So it's such an honor to have you up here, Amir. And I'm, I'm so grateful that you took time. And um, thank you for continuing to do amazing work in this space and helping build everyone up. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. It was a great honor to, to be with you guys, to share some of uh, the things that I've learned from within this community. And um, if I'm allowed to, to have a closing. Yes, uh, please. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. I just wanted to say that uh, I emphasize on, on, on the things that I've said before. Um, it's up to us to create a decentralized space or, or create a centralized one. It's up to each and one of us to be a responsible member of this community and help uh, the decentralization of this NFT space. Each and every uh, one of us, if we are a creator, if we are a collector, if even those people that are cloning different projects, they are trying to scam people, just, just take a moment and think about what you're doing to this space. You are damaging a core principle of, of decentralizing this space, the thing that we are all very interested to do, and we are fighting for this. So please understand that each and every one of us has a responsibility to maintain the decentralization of this space. Each and every one of us had a responsibility to learn. So just just read, go through the internet. There are tons of different articles, read about NFTs, educate yourself, educate others, and help to 
to build a decentralized, truly decentralized space. And that would be our each, I mean, each of us have this responsibility, I say again, and that's our obligation to this space. Thank you very much for having me in this amazing podcast. I love to be here and share my the things that I've learned from it in this community. Thank you. Thank you. I think those that may be the best words we've ever ended on this show. I hope you, everyone listening, can take that, uh, reflect, internalize it, and have an amazing day thinking about how to continue to grow in the metaverse and on the blockchain. This has been another production of Guttercat Studios. All conversations with Crazy Carl are for educational purposes only. You should never take financial advice from a cat or anybody really, especially financial advisors. Take control of your own financial future and do your own research always. That's all for now. Until next time, we'll see you in the metaverse.